Happy Monday! It's Monday, February 24th, and welcome to Truth Matters with Terry McCarthy. You may be wondering, can't she ever do a positive, uplifting podcast? Suck it up, Nancy. If you want laughs and warm fuzzies, take a look at my vlog on YouTube. Sorry the truth hurts, and I don't have a spoonful of sugar to help this medicine go down. But buckle up, it's going to be a bumpy ride. I believe Tim Keller is a democratic socialist and a cultural Marxist. But it doesn't really matter what I think, does it? Let's take a look at what Tim Keller says and writes and preaches, and we can come to a conclusion based on Keller's own words. In 2018, Tim Keller tweeted, Do I really need to defend that I'm not a Marxist? Definitely not one. And then Keller posts a quote from one of his books. The departments were socially radicalized and were heavily influenced by the new Marxist critical theory. The social activism was particularly attractive and the critique of American bourgeoisie society was compelling. But its philosophical underpinnings were confusing to me. I saw two camps before me and there was something radically wrong with both of them. The two camps Keller is referring to here are one, Orthodox Christianity, and the second, the communist think tank, the Frankfurt School out of Berlin. In his quote, Keller says of these two camps, something was radically wrong with both of them. Really? Something was radically wrong with Orthodox Christianity? Or was just or was Tim Keller just frustrated with church members, as we all have been from time to time? Interesting, too, that Keller says confusing rather than evil. I read the same heady stuff in college and found the philosophical underpinnings evil, destructive, and immoral. Okay, okay, my parents were birchers, but still, I came to those conclusions on my own. But my most disappointing of all was that Tim Keller didn't use this as a teachable moment for his followers. Why didn't he say a resounding no or even a clearer, here's why I would never be a Marxist. In the feed, there were literally hundreds of his followers begging him to explain how and why Marxism is wrong. And Keller remained silent. As I read Keller's disclaimer that he's not a Marxist, I can't help but hear Bill Clinton's cry of innocence. I did not have sex with that woman. And true enough, in the traditional sense of that word, Clinton did not. He engaged in a lot of immoral activity and their relationship was a sexual one. But no, Bill Clinton did not have sexual intercourse with Monica Lewinsky. And technically, Tim Keller saying he isn't a Marxist is true. Marxism has many flavors, but at its core and fundamental to its belief, one must be an atheist. I do not believe that Tim Keller is an atheist. But early in the 20th century, a group of Catholic priests wanted to form an ideology that embraced both Marxism and belief in God. And they're known as the Liberation Theology Guys. And they're the boys who coined the phrase cultural Marxism. With this ideology, you can believe in God and embrace Marx's philosophy of money, government, the worker, and free enterprise. 
And there, my friends, is the burn. I do, without a doubt, believe with all of my heart that Tim Keller is a cultural Marxist. Okay, first, I need to differentiate between Marxism and socialism. So what are their differences? Okay, socialism is the practice of economic equality and basically the annihilation of private enterprise and private property. Socialism embraces a broad system of ideas such as redistribution of wealth, cooperative production to get rid of capitalistic competitors, and a creation of new patterns of work and education to promote what is the communal good as opposed to the individualistic good. Socialism believes that well-rounded individuals who are holistic in their approach to life prefer the common good over the good of the individual. Socialism supports womb-to-tomb policies that include everything from government-paid maternity leave and universal health care to comprehensive state benefits like free university education and free housing, all paid for by insanely high taxes. Now, this is important to note. Venezuela is a socialist country that went from being the wealthiest nation in South America in the 1980s to the poorest in less than two decades, all as a result of socialism. Now, socialism is not communism, though they share a few traits, especially in their view of government's role and the abolition of free enterprise and the market economy. Socialism is practiced in several countries around the globe, okay? So Armenia, Bolivia, Ecuador, Iceland, Nicaragua, Portugal, Venezuela, and Serbia. Those are just a few. But those are what we can really say those are socialist countries. Now, it starts to get complicated because within socialism, there is a thing called democratic socialism. Ooh, not another definition. All right, I'll try to be as brief as possible. Democratic socialists identify as ethical socialist, an idea developed by British Methodist Wesleyan R.H. Tawney in the 1920s. Tawney was a socialist member of the British Parliament who believed the Bible strongly supported the idea that government's role was to prevent greed and the abusive actions of those who were powerful and wealthy. Notice how that assumption is that the poor can never have greed or be abusive. But anyway, Tony Blair identified himself as an ethical socialist. And if you read their stuff, it sounds pretty amazing. But sadly, it's completely and totally erroneous. But I'll get to that in a minute. In my humble opinion, Tim Keller is a democratic socialist. Hey, I thought you just said he was a cultural Marxist. Okay, hang on. I'm getting there. Because you can be both. And I'm about 100% sure that Keller is a big fan of Tawny. So, what is a democratic socialist? Okay. A democratic socialist is someone who believes that the government should provide a wide range of basic services to the public for free or at a significant discount, such as health care, child care, housing, education. Unlike plain old socialists, 
Democratic socialists do not believe the government should control all aspects of enterprise and commerce, but they should help provide basic needs, and government's role is also to help citizens have an equal chance of success. Democratic socialists like Denmark, the UK, Sweden, they like to call themselves compassionate capitalists. And there's a big difference between socialism and communism. Individuals under a communist system, uh, they don't receive merit-based pay. Their wages are based on productivity. Their wages are never based on productivity or contribution of work. They are simply given an allowance based on equitable distribution of the nation's GNP. But in reality, the Communist Party big dogs, they get the pay dirt. And the hoi polloi get to divide whatever is left, which is usually not very much. A little insert here. Five years living under communism in China and three years of living under communism in the USSR and standing six hours in line for bread and five years of living under socialized medicine. All of this makes these uncomfortable topics more to me than just curmudgeonly banter and armchair theory. Okay? This is really important to me because I've seen what these systems do, not just to a nation, but to the very ethos of its citizenship. All right, so communist countries today are Cuba. Oh, that's flourishing. North Korea, uh-huh, you're getting my picture. Laos, Vietnam, and sort of China. Now, China's very pragmatic. And they decided in the 1980s that they wanted capitalist practice with Marxist principles. Deng Xiaoping, who became um, the president of China after Mao Zedong died, Deng Xiaoping said, to be rich is glorious. And the Chinese imbibed that and said, okay, we're going to figure this out. And they came up with their own economic system. They made something up. And actually, China is more free enterprise than the U.S. as far as restrictions on starting your own business or um, the setting the price of things. So under true communism, citizens are given what the government thinks they need in terms of food, clothing, housing, and health care. Citizens are not rewarded for working harder or better. Everyone receives the same amount regardless of output. Communism works hard to control citizens and revokes basic human rights, such as freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom to criticize leaders. They don't have the freedom to choose where they live. Communism is both a social as well as economic philosophy. We thought communism died in the 1990s with the breakup of the USSR, but it's still hanging around. And communism is atheistic by design and by nature. So Tim Keller is not a communist. But what's the difference between democratic socialism and regular socialism? Well, both democratic socialism and regular socialism advocate for a redistribution of wealth and power to meet public needs and say big earnings and big profits for the few are immoral. Both aim to weaken the power of corporations, industrialists, and increase the power of the worker. Workers of the world unite! This is what we call the alienated worker. Keller writes about this, actually, in his book, Every Good Endeavor. He actually 
quotes Karl Marx and uses Karl Marx's term alienated worker. And let me just add here, how could any follower of Jesus Christ ever quote Karl Marx is completely and totally beyond me. If I could label one individual responsible for the chaos, fallen economies, and demonic oppression of our world, it would be Karl Marx. He was more evil and more destructive than any other person in the 19th and 20th centuries because he fed and inspired brutal dictators like Lenin and Stalin and Mao. How could any evangelical leader ever quote such a monster, much less adopt his ideas and call them good? I'll tell you what, Tim Keller, to me, is dumbfounding. Or I'm dumbfounded by Tim Keller. Democratic socialists do not think the government should immediately take control of all aspects of the economy. Democratic socialism focuses more on providing basic needs to all people, such as health care, food staples, and education, as well as housing. So, democratic socialism, unlike regular socialism, achieves their goals through a democratic means and not through an authoritarian, oh, authoritarian rule or hostile takeover. Now, can anybody say Bernie Sanders? Because that's what's worth, that is what we are facing with election 2020. In November 2020, we are literally facing someone who calls himself a democratic socialist, and his name is Bernie Sanders. Yeah, that's why I vote for Trump. That and a few thousand other reasons. Marxism, on the other hand, is an entire worldview that includes a belief about the human condition as well as economics and governmental structures. Marxism seeks to explain the development of all society and even makes predictions about future social change. Marxism is godless. Marxism is atheistic. Marxism looks to create utopia by its very design. I personally would call Marxism a religion, one based on the material world. In Marxism, there's no afterlife. The present material world is all that exists. Marxism was a powerful instrument for revolutionary transformation that has given birth to communism all around the world. Now, you cannot have communism without Marxism. Now, Keller, Tim Keller, has written three books. And these are the three books I used for the research of this podcast. And I also have published it on my blog, Terry McCarthy, blah, blah, blog. You can find my article here about Tim Keller. Okay, so Tim Keller in his three books, Reasons for, Reason for God, Generous Justice, and Every Good Endeavor. He markets Marxism as democratic socialism. Now, democratic socialism rests on certain values. Values that we as Christians understand and often embrace, like caring for the poor, feeding the hungry, housing for all, medical care for those in need. Democratic socialism takes care of people, and as Christians, we want to take care of people, right? But Keller's love for Marx is rather disguised, a bit dodgy, and very suspect, and I don't like that. Trying to cut and paste Marxism so that it fits into a biblical worldview is not only wrong and dangerous, it's terrifyingly deceptive. 
So why is democratic socialism so wrong? And how is Keller's approach wrong? Okay. Here's the main thing. And if you don't take anything away from this podcast, but this statement, please take this. Democratic socialism is not a New Testament principle. The New Testament church did not pool all their resources and distribute them equally. It's a nuance, but it's an important one. The New Testament church pulled all their resources voluntarily and then distributed as there was need, not equally. And even that didn't work too well. And let's not forget that the New Testament teaches us that if someone doesn't work, they don't eat. Check out 2 Thessalonians 3.10. As one brother put it, I'm willing to give some latitude regarding the communal aspects of Christ's church, but that has nothing to do with a godless governmental system led by evil men desiring to take control and power and using coercion and confiscating goods to do so. Goods and property. Drawing heavily on Ecclesiastes, Keller tries to make a case that democratic socialism is a valid and trustworthy form of government, and I cannot help but follow his thoughts out to their logical conclusion. And this is the only logical conclusion you can draw after reading Keller's three books that I just listed above. And I completely and totally disagree with Keller on this, okay? Democratic socialism, based on Marx's ideology, is better than capitalism. And that's the main thesis that Keller is preaching today. Now, I'd like to give a shout-out to my good friend Mary Jo. She's the one that loaned me this incredible, rare copy of William Bradford. And I used that book extensively in my research in trying to understand how uh, Tim Keller's thoughts are antithetical to the Bible. Okay, so we have in the United States a bright, shiny example of how socialism doesn't work and capitalism failed. No. If you look at William Bradford in his book The Plymouth Colony Bradford writes Does anyone remember William Bradford by the way? Because America was founded by European we think America was founded by European capitalists but in fact America was founded by socialists who had the humility to learn from their mistakes and abandon their errors. And we know this because of the journal or the diary kept by William Bradford. All right? Let me go back a little bit in history. Plymouth was founded in 1620 by God-fearing Puritans. The original colony wrote in its charter a system of communal property and labor. This is communism. This is back in 1620. This is the, these are the Puritans who came over on Plymouth, you know, and, and made a colony at Plymouth Rock. As William Bradford reported in his journal, quote, a people who had formerly been known for their virtue and hard work became lazy and unproductive. End of quote. Applying communal principles, 
Resources were squandered. Vegetables were allowed to rot in the ground. And mass starvation resulted. After years of hardship, the leaders of the colony decided to abandon their socialist mandate and create a system which honored private property. As a result, the colony survived and thrived and had an abundance. This resulted in human flourishing. Bradford writes, The failure of this communal living, which was tried for several years and by good and honest men, proves the emptiness of the theory that the taking away of private property and the possession of it in a community by a commonwealth would make a state happy and flourish, as if they were wiser than God. For in this case, community of property was found to breed much confusion and discontent and retard much employment, which should have been for the general good. Let none argue that this is due to human failing rather than to the communistic plan of life in itself. I answer, seeing that all men have this failing in them, that God in his wisdom saw another course was fitter for humankind. Bradford goes on to say that once private property was given to each colonist and each was able to tend his or her own plot, the colony thrived because of capitalism. Capitalism works with the way that God made us. History is a series of human experiments, what one writer calls the human gamble. Some gambles work and are adopted by society and some do not and should be abandoned just like this socialism problem. The problem is that the human gamble only teaches us a lesson if we, if we keep track of the outcomes. For 300 years, the story of the failed communist economy in America was part of every school curriculum. But progressive education found that story unhelpful, and it has fallen into obscurity, which explains why someone like Tim Keller can repackage socialism and the redistribution of wealth and get away with it. I wonder why our current church leaders forget the lessons of the past. This is right out of the core of America's founding that communist principles experimented with and tried with, tried in the 1620s, didn't work. It didn't work. It doesn't work with the way we are designed. And now it's being remarketed to us through Christians like Tim Keller who tell us that it is our responsibility to take care of the poor and we do that through governmental works. I think the church should be taking care of the poor, but I think it needs to be a voluntary, uh, heartfelt, engaged process, which includes bringing the gospel. It does not mean ushering in a revolution. I think Tim Keller should know the difference between revolution and reformation. The church brings in reformation, the reforming of the human mind, the reforming of the human heart, done only through the power of the Holy Spirit. We cannot legislate morality. And the minute we give government control over what we give and don't give and how we manage our daily affairs, then we lose control of even our right to worship the way we want to worship. Through socialism, the government must use coercion and confiscating 
to level the economic playing field. And that is not a biblical principle, nor is that commanded of Christians anywhere in Scripture. It's a false narrative that Keller is pitching again and again. In fact, the Bible says that to move those ancient markers, to take that land and distribute it to everyone, to move those ancient markers, that's called stealing. Okay, that's it for today's podcast. But please join me tomorrow for the final half of Tim Keller is a Cultural Marxist. I really do appreciate you joining me today. And I am thoroughly thrilled that you would tune in to Truth Matters with Terry McCarthy. And hey, please feel free to leave comments on this podcast. Give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down. It's lonely out here in podcast land. And I need to hear your thoughts. And I want to know what is your take on these issues. Thank you so much for joining me. And I'll see you tomorrow. This is Truth Matters with Terry McCarthy.